and welcome back to Discover the Unknown, a podcast by Cove Clothing that aims to inspire our listeners by bringing you incredible people with epic stories. I'm your host, Lydia Cook, and today I'll be chatting to a guy called Charlie Smith, who has fallen in love with the cold climates and every single challenge that they seem to throw his way. Charlie has been on some, quite frankly, incredible but crazy missions, and we're just super excited to have him on the show today to share those stories with you. Hi Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's awesome to have you here talking to our listeners today about your crazy stories. Um, but first of all, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and sort of what a normal day looks like? Because I don't believe what we're actually going to be talking about kind of sums up your normal day. <laughs> so I'm Charlie and I'm a designer day to day and every year I try and escape off to some pretty cool and cold places um, for expeditions or for storytelling or kind of whatever whatever reason I can make up on, on the spot. Nice. And you're based in London now, aren't you? You just moved. Yes, I, I moved to London last Friday. So this is this is as clean as this room is ever going to be. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's usually a bomb. It's usually a bomb site. But uh, um, I'm, I'm a lot better at keeping tents organised than I am about keeping stuff organised. Um, so I'm pretty thankful that you've called me now to be honest give it two more days and this is this is it's gonna be everything upside down yeah I mean to be fair a tent's probably got a lot less to try and organize within it anyway hasn't it so I'll agree with you on that one god I wouldn't say that I wake up with the weirdest (laughs) with the weirdest stuff everywhere like I've I've definitely woken up before with a battery like on my cheek and I didn't put the battery but it's it just turned up there there's the there's, there's some stories about what happens in tents, but I'll, well, hopefully we might, we might get some. Yeah, oh gosh, <laughs> sounds interesting. So this kind of main expedition that we're going to talk about, um, which was in Iceland, I believe. Do you want to kind of explain what exactly the plan originally was? Because I think as people will start to find out, the plan did not entail the original ideas in the end. So what originally was it that you were looking to do? Yeah, I, th- I think didn't go to plans a bit of an understatement there. That's, that's, um, <laughs> so basically when I was 16, uh, I had this idea um, after a pretty big rugby injury that I wanted to go and do something that would prove that I was fit again. Not just to other people, but also to myself, because I was quite a big sports person for years, and I I needed to do something that would prove to me, you know, what you're actually capable of doing stuff again. You don't have to be on crutches for another six months or whatever. Um, and so I came up with this idea to do this four day hike in Iceland. Um, you'll probably see a trend here, but my my ambition got the better of me, and it turned from a four day hike into like let's try and cross the whole country, um, which is a bit more than four days, and we started and managed it stupidly and naively at the time i look back at that trip and the things that went well for us is just in, like insane but it worked and so i mean happy days um but the problem was was that to do a really big hike like that you need so much food you need so much like um res- like resources and it was all in these massive massive like 70 liter uh, rucksacks um, I, I remember weighing mine at the start and it was 40 kilograms and then um, I'd forgotten some stuff and ended up having to go to a local like camping store to get another rucksack to strap to the back of the existing rucksack because I just couldn't uh, I just didn't have anything that would that would um, that, that would fit everything 
Um, I look honestly though, looking back, I took two hardback books. So that shows how naive I was when it comes to like <laughs> weight, like weight loss and, um, and everything. But um, basically, with these massive rucksacks, the bit I used to hate the most was going downhill. And the reason is, is like even with poles, going downhill with a massive weight on your back, it's just so wobbly and like it's just you can never feel like certain where, where your footing is. Um, and so what was going through my head, considering I've been skiing since I was three, was if I was on skis right now, this would be so much easier. Um, and so that kind of planted the seed of, you know what, I'm going to come back and try and do this in winter. Um, anyway, a couple of years go by and uh, I, I meet some really incredible people, uh, Angus, Archie and Steph. And after I've met those three, I was like, you know what, we could probably have a crack at this. Um, it's going to take a lot of planning, like like experience building and learning, but we could probably have a stab at this. And so we tentatively came up with this idea for two years in advance. Let's go and try and cross Iceland along the same route that I did, um, but in the middle of winter. And uh, that's what the trip was. It was it was trying to cross Iceland from the very, very north to the very south, middle of winter, um, and tentatively unsupported. Um, but the actual classifications of what unsupported and supported is literally changed last week. And so I, I'm a little bit hairy about using that word, but basically with, with as little help as possible. Yeah. yeah. Although you ended up probably needing more help than you originally yeah. <laughs> expected. Yeah. Um, you've, really caught, you've really caught me, uh, you've really caught me at a good moment because it's taken me about four years to start laughing about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I know probably some of this will be tough to talk about. Like you say, um, now you're only just starting to laugh about it. But do you want to kind of explain step by step? Let's start at the beginning. Why have we started? And, um, you know, what happened through this story? Because I really don't think I can give it justice um, yeah. in terms of the complications and challenges that you entailed. So just just go for it. Start to the beginning and really give us this journey that you went on. I'll, I'll do my best storytelling voice. Um, so basically, we set off the very ignoring the whole saga of getting there getting all the kit there which honestly in itself was mad it involved like jumping onto trucks and everything it was that different story for another day but we started in the very very north of iceland um some friends at search and rescue dropped us off at the very very north at the very very top and basically said all right guys enjoy um we're here if you need us and carry on um we developed a really good relationship with the search and rescue teams um early on because we knew that if anything were to go wrong these are the guys that will have to like not have to help us but these are the guys that could potentially be our, our lifeline um and so literally a year before we went to them and started talking to them like, guys this is what our plan is how 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 do we make this work basically um and so because of that they as i say they dropped us off at the very very north and um it's a bit of an aside but that very first night was the best northern lights i've ever seen in my entire life and i've seen them countless times since then but from that point on from that point on things started to unravel um we got three days in um i think we covered i can't remember how many miles we covered now but we'd covered a fair whack and um one of my team was um slowing down a bit and he'd started coughing up blood and uh we get a call from our friend at search and rescue who basically says just to let you know guys there is a storm coming um it's the worst storm forecast we've had in about 50 to 100 years so this is a massive storm that, that's coming and it, it's rightly worrying the people in Iceland to the point that the search and rescue team calls us. Um, and so they said, right, we're going to come send some big vehicles to come pick you guys up um, because we don't think it's safe to be in the in the interior where you are at the moment. Um, 
we do we do some maps we look at the distances and think okay we're actually only 14 kilometers away from the nearest road so instead of them sending out these massive trucks to come and get us just we'll ski back to the to the road and then we'll find our own way back to town um however if they do want to if they are serious about this and if they do want to do something send a skidoo to come pick up Ang- angus who was coughing up blood at the time um because if anyone's gonna not be able to make that journey in the hours that we had before the storm hits then it, it's, it's angus and so they did that and the same guys that dropped us off came with their skidoos popped in grabbed angus and popped out and left him at this like hostel thing that had closed down for winter and then we joined him um about seven hours later after we'd skied the, the distance um and so that yeah that was effectively the end of the trip um we hadn't managed to do it unsupported it was it was the um it uh the claim was that we wanted to do it with as little help as possible and we'd started had to be helped and that's 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 trip finished um which was a weird thing considering that it hadn't gone to plan in the first four days which i thought was a bit but i mean that's what happened um and uh we kind of recouped sat through the storm in in a, in a town called kapaskia and um yeah kapaskia and um kind of twiddled our thumbs, uh, all the rest of the team just kind of had a bit of a, a warming up session, kind of chill, um, everything that was frozen started rethawing it. And then obviously there's me looking at maps thinking, right, well, what can we do considering that we've got a month of food left, a month of time left. We've got all the, everything that we had set up for like a 35 day, 40 day expedition. And we've only done four days. Like what's the, why are we, why are we taking this as let's just fly home? Because that's not, that's not what, what we're here for. Um, and so we started again um, further south from a town called Acuary in the full knowledge that there was no more claim, there was no more um, like this is the first time this had been done or anything like that because it, it had been done from that town before, it was just further around the coast. Um, but it was still an experience that we wanted to do because we had the time, we had the kit, we had the drive to want to do it. Um, and so we, we moved from Kapaskia again weirdest journey in the world where we all split up and ended up going one way one of us went wrong the one the wrong way around the island which honestly i don't know how we got on that bus but yeah um gets to kapaskia um we meet some friends that, that we've made in town who then um honestly this this sounds like this sounds like the weirdest hallucination ever but after four days like not talking to anyone our friend takes us into his home we get this lovely like dinner thing that they put on for us and then they take us to this like dairy farm and then Icelandic horse farm and it's like it's like journey up the valley of these like ever more Icelandic um like uh, attractions but because it's middle of winter no no yeah. one's there um and it, it culminated and I'm pretty certain this is this happened but I could be wrong with his grandmother <laughs> telling us stories about trolls in the valley and then like pointing us out rocks like there's massive boulders that are in the valley um pointing us out these rocks and then us ignoring them and forgetting about them for like 10 minutes and then pointing out how they've moved and i'm i'm adamant they actually have like i, I don't know what's happened at this point or what had happened to my head at this point but i i, I fully believe that person that these that these massive like ton boulders have moved. um anyway wow. we set off that's crazy we set off south from Acuary and effectively restart the trip it's a shorter version of the trip but still north to south but no claims it's very much more now like this is for us it's not a it's not a chest beating thing it's just something that we want, we want to do um we managed to ski seven days and some of the hardest ski touring i've ever done in my, in my life um four days of just absolute white art conditions 
Um, some people say white art conditions and they, they, they kind of exaggerate by saying, oh, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I promise you, we, I could not see my hand in front of my face. I promise you. Um, we got, we, we actually lost each other. Um, and you're, you're in these, in these environments, you tend to kind of ski in, in, in formation. So usually me at the front with, with the navigation, and then it's usually at Archie or, or Angus and then Steph at the back. Um, and all you had to see was some bike lights that we fitted to the back of the pulks in front of you, just flashing through this like gray. Um, but because the ground's so like uh, undulating and there's quite a few like hidden wind lips, um, you can't really attach ropes because if one person goes, then they all go and it's like dominoes. So it is very much yeah. just relying on, you've got to stay really close. The person at the front has got to be constantly looking backwards um, just to try and make sure that everyone's still still with them. Um, so honestly, hardest seven days, eight days of skiing. Um, we get just past halfway and um, basically one of the team uh, couldn't any longer get his feet into his ski boots. Uh, and it looked like it was the early onsets of frostbite. And it was something that we all knew was 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 a risk considering we were going into that environment. Um, but when push came to shove, uh, the question was, you as a 21-year-old, are you happy to voluntarily keep going and give yourself frostbite or are you or or not and the i mean the answer was quite obvious for that person um there was a couple of of um uh competitive uh conversations let's put them that way um about the fact that we knew what we were getting ourselves into but at the end of the day you don't want a 21 year old to not have any toes um it's, it's a weird yeah it, it, it it's 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 a decision that I think that I've come around to since then, but at the time it was very much no no we keep going we we just try and make it better. We were in constant communication with such and rescue teams and we, we knew the guys at, at Reykjavik and basically they said right guys have a list we'll come pick you guys up. They picked us up and then we'll drop you guys back off again on route once you've sorted out his toes, which is just a massive testament to to. to our friends out there and the fact that they like believe like believed in us and they liked us to be able to do this and um and that's what ended up happening the same team that, that picked us up then dropped us back off again on our exact route just like the three days that we missed because of that pickup um they dropped us off on the equivalent but because we weren't going for a claim or anything then there was no reason why we couldn't do that and at that point we had um two two camera guys come out from the states and um we started off the, the most incredible part of the route. It's it's, it's the Southern Icelandic Highlands. Um, we started off in these amazing hot pools, which is in a place called Lammanalauga. And you're following this summer trail, which is like a hiking trail in summer called the Laugavega. And you go over this like lava field and you go past steam vents. And um, it's some of the most touch and go uh, touring I've ever done because you're not usually ski touring on a place where there could be like boiling water underneath the snow. And so there is there is definitely a couple of, 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 of of sketchy parts um but we get effectively one day before the end of the journey and then uh long story short search and rescue call us again and say you know that storm that hit you at the start um it was actually called storm desmond in the uk and it's called storm didu in iceland um, well then there's another storm coming this evening uh, and that one is bigger than this one it's the worst forecast we've ever had in iceland um and so we want to we want you guys to go to a, a nearby hut um just so you can we don't basically so we don't have to have you on our radar because there's going to be a lot of other stuff going on um, in the country because of the storm and um yeah we 
we started heading towards the hut and then 10 minutes later we got a call from them basically said there's a nearby coast guard flight in the area um we've just asked them to come pick you guys up because they're training in the area anyway um can you guys be ready in an hour and we're like yeah by all means we were a day before the end anyway and then um what we didn't know was that we were what happened on the ground was quite straightforward to us what we didn't know was that in Reykjavik and in the papers and in a lot of the media and the UK at home, um, that's not how this was being spoken about. But how would we have known any of that? But when we landed in the Coast Guard helicopter in the um, in the hangar, there was news crews waiting for us. And I mean, I was I think I was nineteen at the time, and like I had no idea what to say. Um, I think the the first thing that came to my head was, um, "Well, we're just here and safe, so." I'm, what more can you ask for really like that that is how my head was at the time like bare minimum everyone's here and safe and perfect um but yeah it turned yeah. In, it turned into something entirely different really it's probably the um probably the, the, the easiest way to talk about it um yeah yeah that's that that's the three the three it just sounds absolutely relentless yeah <laughs> um i've since very much come to the understanding <laughs> that Iceland has to let you cross in winter. It's not a case, like, no matter what you do, something yeah. can be thrown at you that you just did not expect. I mean, I went back again three years ago to give it another stab with one of the original team, and yeah. uh, there was no snow at all in the entire country, so we just couldn't even start. Um, it, it really does just throw something different at you every single time. I mean, when you sent me this um, sort of show reel earlier on, um, and I, I gave it a good watch, and there was, what was it, in the media, there was some kind of page that you'd been shared on, um, and they shared your story or what you were trying to do. And I remember you saying that someone had commented saying, they don't have a chance surviving here in Iceland. This is a suicide miss uh, mission with certain death. So I just think, was that absolutely terrifying seeing comments like that? Or were you just kind of shrugging them off like, no, this is a this is an adventure. This is an expedition. We can do it. Um, or did it really sort of chill through your bones hearing things like that? I think if I would have heard that two years before, then, well, I had heard similar two years before. But after doing two years of like risk mitigation and two years of planning and talking to people that know, talking to the search and rescue teams, talking to the teams that work out in, in the middle of Iceland in winter, then it slowly becomes more viable. It becomes more doable because you've done that background research. Whereas anyone can say anything on the internet. And the guy that wrote that had never been to Iceland. Um, and we done we done the digging on all the comments, and I can promise you, I, I've read every single one of those comments, um, even on the post expedition. There's there is <laughs> thousands of them uh, after what happened, and I've read every single one. And some of the ones that had weight, so people that live out there, people that um, that do this sort of stuff, I've I've actually approached and spoken to. I made it like a almost like a pilgrimage to talk to people and just see, like what, where where was either the anger coming from or where was the. Um, where was the furore coming from? Because mm. the reality was, was before we set out, even the search and rescue teams made a statement saying that we were the best prepared team who have, a, who have ever seen try something like this. And so when you get that sort of, actually, no, these guys are on the right track. If they're going to do it, they might, they, they might actually give this a go. Then fair enough. Like, at least that's, that's my take on it. 
Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say I necessarily shrugged it off, but I also wouldn't say that I gave it too much weight because because of the planning and the prep that we've done. And that said, all of these journeys have a risk to them. And on the flight over, when you know that when you get out the airport could be the last time that you feel like warmth for a month, you do start to accept things that you you start to accept that things are going to change on those journeys more than before you left. Um, you're not going to come back the same person. Yeah. I mean, like you say, this this wouldn't have been an expedition or adventure without having that risk as well. You know, that's, that feels like that was sort of the reason or part of the reason you did it was that it was such a crazy thing to do and there was so much risk, but you wanted to just complete it and do this journey. So, you know, on most people's expeditions, I feel like something always goes wrong. There's going to be a challenge and there's there's going to be things thrown at you. I mean, you're literally trying to fight against mother nature by doing these things. So she's going to throw these things at you. So, you know, I think, yeah, it must have been hard to see those things maybe, but do you feel like that's part of it? I think the reality was that I'm interested in doing the things that most people aren't interested in doing. Um, I'm not interested in mm. joining a race in Antarctica or I'm interested in going into the mountains in Canada or going to Northeast Greenland as opposed to the ice cap. I I like doing the things that are slightly on the edge where you, you tend to find better stories. Um, and that's personally why I, yeah. I think I was attracted to the Colbert's Crossing in that sense because because it had this this mysticism of, of all these teams that have tried in the past and failed. And still to this day, there was, there was a British team that, that went out there in December last year uh, with uh, pre-first lockdown. I can't remember what year that was, 2019, 2020. Um, there was a British team that went out there um, whilst we were out there and uh, they managed to do the trip that was our consolation trip from Accuary to, to South as opposed to where I wanted to start from, from very north. Um, mm. And so it is possible in the middle of winter. It definitely is. It's just that you've got to have everything aligned to make it not just possible, but you, it's almost like the perfect. Yeah. It's almost like the perfect storm of things going in your favour. Um, is, is is the only way that I can see it happening, um, especially from the very north to the very south. I mean, it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that there was the perfect storm of things happening, but the two storms that you really didn't need to uh, help that journey succeed. Um, yeah. But where you talk about sort of finding things that people don't normally do, which I think is amazing. It's quite, you know, inspiring for people to get out of their comfort zones. Um, where do you think that sort of drive came from and that love for cold climate? That is a really, really interesting question. Um, I haven't I haven't actually sat back and thought what, where, the, where did the cold love come from um but equally i i know the storytelling stuff came from the fact that i've been really fortunate to work with some incredible storytellers and seeing them absolutely devoted to their to their not just careers but their passions and the narratives is is so so inspiring and so i think that the storytelling aspects definitely come from the people that i've worked with the people that i've been around and had the fortune the fortune to to, to now call friends um I think the cold just comes from the fact that in a really like almost primal way, everything you're doing is about progress. It's, it's like, a, it's a really, really simple, what you put in is what you get out um, equation. It, it, it really is just in an input output. The thing like, 
this this is slightly I guess slightly deep, but um, you don't get that in social situations. You don't get that in, in London. You don't get that here where you put loads of effort in. It's not always what you get out of it. Whereas in those environments, it's it really is. It's 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 a really simple. What you put in is what you get out. If you if you ski ten more meters at the end of the day, you've just skied ten more meters. It, it really is like that simple. And I I kind of get addicted to that simplicity in a sense. Um, there's, there's something really enchanting about just putting one foot in front of the other and plodding along with your thoughts and just thinking, are my toes cold? Are my hands cold? Am I sweating too much? And just doing constant checkups. There's something absolutely so human in a sense. Mm. You're just looking out for for you and you're going forward. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it really kind of strips you back to your bare nature and that physical metaphor like you say, you know, you you literally put it into a physical um, manner that taking those 10 metres puts you 10 metres ahead of where you were before, um, which I think is a really kind of amazing way to sum up a lot of things in life. You know, even in day to day when you're not trying to cross Iceland in some in December, you know, <laughs> in your day to day life, it's what you put out in the day that gets you that much further. So I think Massively. the way that you describe that is the perfect metaphor for it. Um, when Steph and I were out in Greenland in uh, April 2018, um, we were we were filming this race called the Iceman Polar Challenge. And it's basically this like five day race uh, around the um, northeast around northeast Greenland, a place called Liverpool Land in the Kalkdal Valley, um, and it's all based around this big fjord called Hurry Fjord. And Steph and I um, were, were filming this race, but we were told by the organisers that there was bets on by the organisers about who would win and which team would win. Um, and we didn't know that we were meant to be taking part. We thought we were just standing around the edges and kind of filming it. Um, but some people had put bets on us to win. And so the first day, um, uh, over eagerly, uh, within about five hours, uh, we left the previous team by about 16 kilometers, um, just to kind of show, show the competitive nature of both of us. But the, the, the way that we kind of work is that Steph's a lot quicker than I am on the flat sections. And I tend to be a lot quicker than he is on the mountain sections and like the hills. Um, and personally, I put that down to the fact that my entire like mantra with this stuff is you put the effort in when it's the hardest, um, mainly because it allows you to then reap the reward when it's easy. Um, it allows you to get perspective um, when it's easier by putting the effort in on the uphill. And so I think, yeah, you're you're completely right in that in that physical um, in that physical metaphor take 10 more steps and you're 10 steps further i think i'd just take that one step beyond and say put the effort in on the uphill because it allows you to enjoy the downhill basically yeah i love that i really you know that's kind of what i get a lot out of these types of adventures as well you know even just walking casually the cornish coast um i feel those things that you're talking about where you know you really put the effort in when you're on the hard parts and just relax when you're on the slow and easy bits um so no i absolutely love that yeah, so I have to touch on this as well because when I was watching this this video that you sent over earlier, there was this amazing relationship between you and your dad and it, it kind of had me quite emotional watching it um, and seeing your reaction to that voice message from him and leaving him in the first place. And I just wondered, you know, was that the hardest part, do you think, missing home or were you so distracted by the physical challenge of this that you didn't find the time to, to kind of miss that? So on my very first trip, my very first Iceland trip, so this was the when I was 16, when I spoke about at the start, 
I um, I had a moment waking up on the very first night. We pitched up on the side of the road, um, and I we camped for the evening. And I woke up. Dan, who was with me at the time, he, he left the tent, and I woke up and I remember feeling this massive, massive, almost like um, gut punch of anxiety. It was like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Why are you not at home? Just what the hell are you thinking? Like, what is going on? And ever since stepping out of that tent and actually chilling out and realizing this place is stunning and that kind of got me in the groove, I haven't actually been homesick on any trips after that one thing. But I remember that it was a turning point for me. Um, but I, I've never been homesick on the trips. The things that I miss is the chance of missing things happening at home. That's the thing that I, I miss. And um, when I found out that the camera team had organised for a cameraman in the UK to go to our family's homes and record Christmas messages for us so we could see what they were saying, um, it was just one of those moments of like, shit, yeah, just because you're here doesn't mean you're not at home. But yeah, just because you're here doesn't mean that life has stopped at home like you're still they're still following your little spot tracker ping every five minutes on the computer and i think my grandparents every trip that i've ever been on have had a little like icon on their computer which is uh, my tracking location whether it's greenland or norway or iceland or, or further north um they they watch it almost like a tv set um and i think that's the thing that really gets you is the fact that everyone at home doesn't put their well they do put their life on hold in a way because they're, they get, they care about you and they want you to come home. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's slightly melodramatic about the wanting to come home thing, but there's always risks involved. And I think it's testament to my relationship with my dad that he lets me go and do these things, but doesn't give it yeah. a second thought. If I turn around to him and say, I'm going to go and do this, I'll usually get a look back of like, and then it'll be like, oh, really? <laughs> and then he'll look at me and I'll kind of say, and then, all right, and that's it. That's 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 the that's the vibe. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. couldn't do what I'm doing without without having had his support and having had all of their support. To be honest. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I think it's very strong to be able to go away and do these things and accept the fact that home is still going on behind and things. But I bet it just feels amazing when you get home again. And I bet every time you walk through that door, your dad is just like. Charlie, what have you been doing? Where have you been? <laughs> like, thank you for coming back. Every single time, it's just, it's just, a, it's just, it's just a different. It's just different. I mean, uh, I came back from Iceland last January, um, pre-lockdown one, and um, I had to give a sat phone back to to someone. And honestly, in expedition kit, straight from Heathrow Airport, I had to go to Old Street Records. Um, where there was like it was a Friday night it was Friday night in London at Old Street Records I'm in freaking down jackets and, and ski trousers and everything else um, the bouncer wouldn't let us in to, into the thing because we were dressed as we were like freaking snowmen and getting home from, from a, an evening of quite heavy drinking went straight back from Old Street Records to, to home and my dad kind of takes one look at me and he goes talk to you tomorrow just leaves it so it's just uh, <laughs> it's yeah I do, I do love that. I do love that relationship. Um, and I've been, I've been fortunate enough to, to spend some time with more time with the family because of the lockdown situation, which is one of the real nice plus points of what's happened is that this is time that a lot of people wouldn't have been able to spend with their families. So. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think, um, 
you know, we have to find things to be grateful for through this mess. And actually, one of the things people often say is that they've been able to spend quality time with family. But touching back to the to the trip that you did, you know, there was a lot of challenges and the whole situation with the media when you came back and things like that. But in these videos you sent earlier, there were some really kind of fun and happy and jokey moments. And I just want to know, was there like one point that you were just at your happiest, like almost euphoric when you were out there that really sticks Ooh, in your mind? Um, to prefix it, I adore these trips because you get to learn so much about the people that you're with. And when you trust your life with someone else, which you're always having to do, you have to trust your life on the fact that they've pinned the tent properly. You trust, you, you trust so many minuscule things, but they, they accumulate to you guys having a safe and successful trip. Um, and so I, I love that. And you really get to see people's senses of humor and they kind of shine because no one's trying. There's no, there's no bravado. Um, that said, Christmas Eve, December 2015, Christmas Eve 2015, um, we'd all bought each other Christmas presents, but they had to be small and lightweight enough to, uh, to be able to take like on this journey. Cause you, you don't, you were carrying Christmas presents for the, for the three other boys and you don't want to have to carry them for a month before you like give them if they're like a lead weight or something. Um, although if you think it's worth giving someone a lead weight, so they have to carry it for four days, then that's also fair enough. Um, so Archie got me a Lego set, like a small packet Lego set, but he like forensically undone the wrapping, taken out like two integral pieces and then sealed it. And then it gave me the thing for, for Christmas and was like, ego mate. I was like, that is amazing. I'm a designer. I love building things. I love like, problem solving and there's me in the tent on my sleeping bag like methodically making this lego set um every single time starting over again i must have started over about four times because i just couldn't figure out why this wasn't going in the way that i thought it should go um until he tells me that he'd actually he'd actually hidden two of the pieces and there was no way on earth i was gonna i was gonna gonna finish that lego um that was slightly topped off then by the fact that we're in this winter wonderland. It's like minus 30 outside. It's covered in snow. It's white wall everywhere that I could see. Um, and so uh, Angus decides to get Steph fake snow, which I thought was hilarious. Um, and then Steph, uh, Steph gets me a, a rubber duck, um, which get, I'm looking around because it's got to be in here somewhere. Um, but yeah, he gets me this little rubber duck and every trip I've ever been on since, that rubber duck has been with me. Um, and so moments like that really do just stand out as, like there's funny, funny stuff like people falling off their skis or like gamboling down a hill or like riding their pulks for days as they, fly, as they ski down. Everyone always asks, how do you, do we carry these big sledges behind us? And they can go up to like a hundred kilograms. They're really big. They're heavy. They're plastic sheets. They're basically like a big sledge. They just we, we drag them behind us. And everyone always asks, "How do you go downhill on them?" Because we've, they're only attached to us with ropes, and so they usually ski in front of us. Um, but one of the most fun but dangerous things to do is just sit on your pole and just ride it down the mountain. Um, and that is absolutely brilliant. But it nothing gets better than those than those moments of like actual human connection. Like they're the ones that yeah. stand out. Of, of, people just being kind to each other. That is lovely. Yeah. Although I would have been absolutely furious if I was you with the Lego. <laughs> that would be so annoying. I would actually quite like to amend my answer for the last one. The only reason that I am is because something amazing happened. 
Um, throughout all of the shit that the Colas Crossing got online, and I don't blame any of the people that pulled it up. If if what was reported in the media had happened, I'd have been one of the people pulling me apart as well. Um, but one of the most amazing things happened through that whole media storm was an artist in the States um, came up and said, guys, I've, I've loved this story. I've loved following you. And she went ahead and just drew us. And it's that picture here um, behind wow. me. Um, I'm not sure if we can show it on the thing. But she went ahead and drew us, and it's it's kit accurate. Like you can see all the logos that were actually our logos, and we'd never met this person in our entire life, and wow. they made this amazing like sketch of all of the team, annoyingly with a helicopter in the background, which I wasn't sure was a joke <laughs> or not, but it's fine. And um, and the rest of the rest of us, and that's been that's been it's been but that that was a really touching moment because yeah. this is a complete stranger going out of their way to say, guys, you 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 tried, so. That's lovely. What a kind um, person. That's a really, really like was, amazing really thing was. to do for someone, isn't it? So finally, Charlie, what does the future look like for you? Have you got anything planned or where do you want to end up next? You know, what what do you envision for the next steps in your life? There's always something next. Uh, I'm so much more superstitious about talking about it beforehand now, though. Um, after everything that's happened with, with Iceland, the thing I learned, the most is like these trips are good for you and I love telling stories about the trips but I don't want to hype it up I don't want like it could be the coolest thing since ice <laughs> um but it's it's just not something that I don't I like I like being too loud about um but I can say that I it hasn't deterred me at least um and I I'm always always on the lookout for some sort of white horizon yeah that's amazing well we look forward to keeping up with it anyway wherever you end up um, and hopefully the rest of us can find some sort of adventure for ourselves as well maybe not quite crossing iceland in december but we'll work towards it slowly <laughs> um but yeah thank you so much no, for, you. for joining us today um as well if people wanted to find out who you are and follow you and things what's your sort of instagram handles and stuff like that best one to get me on is um at bearsmith outdoor um b-a-r-e there's a story behind it you'll see it on there somewhere <laughs> and then uh, at base camp studios is another one uh, that's that's kind of me and some mates that, that do creative work and design work for for people and that's another place of just really cool cool photos and cool stories so if anyone's interested feel free to head over to those awesome thank you so much i know myself i love keeping up with what you're doing um and seeing these incredible photos that you share and things so i think if you're listening definitely go and check out what charlie's up to but yeah no honestly thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story um it's a crazy one and i hope it inspires people to get out of their comfort zone um and you know take those metaphors of, of the physical way of moving through life and yeah, I hope that it motivates people to follow, follow in your footsteps. Maybe not exactly, but close enough. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers, guys.